What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Moynihan. I play Orca on Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. Alright, hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is my review of The Mandalorian, Chapter 8, Redemption. Uh, we have all made it to the season finale. Uh, we can finally talk about everything that's been going on with the show and uh, get us ready for season two. Uh, lots to get into about all the revelations and you know the surprises and everything that happened here to wrap up the first part of the story, but uh, there is more to come. Uh, I'll get into future Mandalorian content at the end of the episode, um, including some speculation based on, you know, recent reporting and everything. Uh, before I start talking about the episode itself, I'm going to do a little story time, uh, because uh, if you, you know, know me in person, or if you've followed my Twitter, um, it should be no surprise to you that I am a major Taika Waititi fan. And have been, let's see, since going on, well, it's been about two and a half years. So let me take you back for a little bit. So, um, I w- after work one night, I went to an 11 p.m. showing of Thor Ragnarok. And it was, hadn't seen it since the premiere, everybody was saying it was good. And I, I've always liked Thor. Um, it's probably my favorite of the MCU movies on the whole. Um, but I go, I go, I'm watching it in the RPX 3D um, theater. And I'm the only one in there. You know, it's 11, 11 at night on a weeknight. But I really wanted to see it. And, you know, the w- wife and one kid at the time would have been asleep by the time I get home anyway. So she said, yeah, go, go, go to the movie. Um, so it's just me. I sit directly center, like the perfect seat. And for the next couple of hours, I was just blown away by what I saw. Um, the mix of serious content and humor, the visual art that was represented it was one of the greatest rides I've ever been taken on in a movie and one of the most impactful. Um, I mean, other than star Wars, you would have to go back to probably Batman. The first one in 1989, where a movie had that much impact on me. It just blew me away with how, how much I loved it. Just pure joy from a movie. And Okay, so I, I probably already knew it, but then, you know, at the end, it's like directed by Taika Waititi. I'm like, okay, well, not exactly sure who this guy is, but he is awesome. 
I love what he did. Uh, and it's still my favorite MCU movie. Uh, I mean, there's been other awesome ones. Um, and just to talk for a little bit, uh, I think, in my opinion, Winter Soldier is probably the best movie, like the best film that happens to be an MCU film. Um, and, you know, some of the Avengers movies are great. Um, I, re- I really dig Ant-Man. They get to the two Ant-Man movies. I like the, you know, the lightheartedness of those. Guardians or the Galaxy, they're, they're, they're excellent because, you know, with the cosmic, um, which is probably one of the reasons I like Ragnarok so much because it's one of the, the cosmic films. Um, but no, Thor Ragnarok is one of my five favorite movies of all time because of, and I know he didn't write it, but, you know, and, but he did, um, you know, he allowed improv and I mean, he was in it. He played Korg and to find out he did this, the motion capture besides being the voice. So I, I go to work and talking to my friend, Alex, uh, if you're listening, Hey Alex, um, I was like, I tell, I tell him how much I love this movie. And uh, I was amazed by what the director did. He said, yeah, you need to see something he did called What We Do in the Shadows. It's like this mo- a documentary about vampires. And I was like, all right. <clears throat> so then I find What We Do in the Shadows. I think at the time it was on Amazon Prime. And if you haven't seen that, and th- there's also a TV show now, it... Is this incredible? It's a mock, one of those mockumentaries, you know, but it's a it's a documentary about this camera crew that follows around these vampires who live together as roommates in New Zealand. That's where that's where Tyke is from, if you don't know. Uh, so it was created by the the concept was created by him and Jermaine uh, Clement from um, Flight of the Concords, and it it is it is such a riot. Uh, this movie, you know, where they just follow them around, like what their daily life is like, and you know the hijinks they get into as vampires trying to live in modern society, um, you know, on their hunt for blood and everything. It it's incredible. And then um, they spun it off. It's a TV show that's currently on FX in the second season. Um, where it's, it's the same universe. It's um, it's another documentary crew, but they're following vampires in Staten Island, and it's just as good. Um, but you know, it's it came from Taika and uh, Jermaine in this case. Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say I've not seen Jojo Rabbit yet, even though he won the freaking Oscar for writing it. Um, and he's got a couple older movies um, that I need to see. So just based on. Thor, Ragnarok, and what we do in the shadows. I was, I'm just blown away by his talent as a director and a writer. Um, so when we got the the director list for Mandalorian season one, I'm like, Tyke's doing an episode. Oh my gosh! And my my thought was, okay, he's probably getting one in the middle. That's kind of a lighthearted uh, stop. Um, let him try some experimental stuff. But then when I saw the order, I'm like, they gave him the se- the se- season finale. Um, wow, they must really think a lot of him at Lucasfilm, or maybe Favreau just likes him. I don't know. Um, 
so I was, I was pumped. I was like, okay, when we get to that, I'm going <laughs> to you know, make it a little bit longer episode talking about how much I love him. And uh, it's probably a good thing I waited on this uh, review. Um, it's for everybody. Everybody who has gotten access to Disney Plus in the last few months now has seen has access to this episode. So this is you know for everybody. Um, so it's a good thing I waited till now. That way, um, everybody who's seen it can listen. Uh, he is directing and co-writing a, a Star Wars film, a theatrical release. And uh, somebody pointed out, it's probably no surprise that he, um, that they said theatrical release because it's probably setting up you know, Star Wars films, uh, like maybe lower budget ones on uh, Disney+. Plus. I say lower budget, but I'm sure the budget for Mandalorian was great because I mean you can just see what they did. And as we're watching um, the D- Disney Gallery series, which I hope you are, you know you just see what goes into making this. That I haven't even talked about it yet. That big room, the where they have the scene, the, the projection of the scene set up so that they're like playing in the scene. It's not just green screen. Um, I mean that's breaking edge technology that is going to go so far. Um, I mean, I'm sure it helped with the budget on the new season. And, um, yeah, no doubt they're going to be able to, I'm kind of stalling while I look up cause I want to make, I forgot to write down. He's co-writing his movie with Christy Wilson Carnes, who, um, was a writer and um, I don't know, if she, don't know. Let me see. She was, she wrote 1917, uh, the Oscar nominated movie. Can't remember if she herself was nominated for the writing, but anyway, so yeah, Taika is co-writing with Christy. Uh, so uh, we don't know when it's coming out. We don't know what it's about or what time period. But I mean, they had so much faith in him that he is co-writing and directing a Star Wars movie that I will go see in a theater with my kids. And I am so excited about that. I will not shut up about it until then, I'm sure, and even after. Um, yeah, and you can just, and especially watching Disney Gallery, when he in the second episode, he talks about the meaning and the impact of the Dagobah scene with in the cave and with Yoda yeah, and he, he understands Star Wars it's not just oh let's get this guy I mean it's like with Ryan Johnson I mean he understands he understands it but he's got his own way to do it and I mean I'll get into it as the as I talk about the episode itself of chapter eight um, yeah I am Glad that Taika Waititi directed this. I'm glad he's directing more Star Wars to come. Um, I know we've had announcements in the past, um, like Ryan Johnson's supposed to have a trilogy. Um, the Game of Thrones guys were going to have um, a series of films, but that, that fell through. Um, so everybody's like, well, we'll wait and see um, if Taika actually does this. 
I got to think it's it's a little more solid because Disney has had time to uh, like regroup on this. And once Solo came out, and they kind of took their time and said, "Okay, okay, what's our plan? What do we need to be doing here?" Um, I think they're and, and plus, you know, he's directing Thor: Love and Thunder. There is he's doing another Thor movie, which I'm going to gush about as well. He got Natalie Portman to come back. Um, so I think, it, darn cat, sorry for the noise. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to happen. Oh, we just don't know when yet. Um, but I think this is more solid than previous announcements just because Disney uh, has probably mapped out a plan better now based on uh, successes and failures so far. More successes than most. So anyway, uh, yes, I am, I am a huge Taika Waititi fan. I'm so excited about his present and future as a Star Wars creator. All right, so let's talk about the episode itself, um, directed by Taika Waititi. Yes, and um, also starring Taika Waititi. I'll get to that. Uh, this was written by John Favreau. Um, so he wrote six of the eight episodes, not five and six. I've talked about it. I'm sure he probably presented this six episode treatment to Lucasfilm and they said, yeah, well, let's do this. Maybe go a little bit longer. So that's when they brought in Dave Filoni and Christopher Yost to write more episodes. Um, so yeah, we're at the end of our eight episode first season. Let's get into it. So for the cold open, we start out with the biker scouts coming back from having killed Quill and captured Tiny. This is not Yoda. <clears throat> uh, Lacey Gilleran from Resistance Broadcast came up with that, so I've used it all season until we get a name, which we didn't get in this season. So Tiny. <clears throat> um, so, okay, here's where Taika's mix of humor and drama got injected. So the biker scouts have to wait for permission to go into town because Moff Gideon has arrived. And then we get the scene with Jason Sudeikis and Adam Polly, um, which is crazy. I mean, this this is, scene is insane. Um, before IG Eleven shows up, I, apparently it was them. Actually, them in the suits. Um, you know, you figure they can just do voiceovers later, but have some other actors do the physical comedy. No, that was, uh, apparently that was them, um, on the set. Um, so, you know, they have the banter about, um, about Moff Gideon killing, uh, the troops and all that. And, uh, they play off the bad shooting, uh, when they, you know, trying to shoot the, the junk on the ground. Um, you know, we only knew the stormtroopers were bad shots. We didn't think about the biker scouts, but, you know, they're probably all from the same recruiting core. Um, and then they, they keep hitting Tiny. And, well, see, everybody started, when this first episode first came out, everybody was freaking out online. They're like, hey, how dare you punch him? I was like, well, it looked like more just like a, you know, with your with the palm, more like a love tap. Um, oh, um, Billing Vol, the... the blue collar comedian did this bit about, um, you know, you, when you're trying to get your kids to settle down in church, you can't just like straight up whack them. So, you, um, so you like put your arm on the, on the pew and just like 
open open hand and back of the head. Let's say he called it a brain duster. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's more of a brain duster that they're doing to Tiny, but no, everybody, although watching it, you know, more and more, okay, they were hitting him. So, yeah, not cool. Um, but yeah, this is like a, just a vintage Taika scene. Um, with the back and forth between these two before um, IG-11 shows up. You know, they can't can't shoot him, and he just flat out takes him out and saves Tiny, and that's the opening of the show. Um, so we've got um, Mandalorian and Kara and Grief. Um, they're holed up in the, in the bar, and Moff Gideon has his his troops outside. They are having a not really a standoff at this point, but you know they're looking for an escape. And then the E-Web cannons being set up. So when Giancarlo Esposito was announced to be in the cast, and we found out he was going to be playing an ex-imperial or a moth, I thought that's great. I love him. Talked about it before. He, I mean, he's Gus Fring on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, he's, uh, he was uh, on Revolution as a great character. Um, he was the magic mirror on Once Upon a Time. Um, I mean, he's, he was in a lot of the old Spike Lee movies, as I found out lately, um, like um, uh, School Days and Do the Right Thing and all that. Um, but he was. Uh, if, if anybody's been watching the um, the Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls um, documentary, he actually wound up on that because they showed a scene from one of the Spike Lee movies where. Um, uh, I'm talking about the Jordan Nikes. So d- dude's been around for a long time. He's a great actor. So when he's announced for this, you think, okay, that's great. They got him. Um, I mean, he's probably playing a villain, um, but he's probably just one of the bosses that they take out during the season. So that way he could, he, you know, we could say he was in star Wars, um, but it would be more of a cameo or uh, just a, something like that. But no, um, it, <sighs> It's at this point that he becomes, if not the top, one of my five favorite Star Wars villains. I love Moff Gideon because of what happens in this episode. And way back when this episode first aired in um, North America, I did a quick um, emergency broadcast where I talked about him. But I'll get into more here. I was just blown away by what kind of a character they created here. When, when he's telling them, or the heroes, what he's about to do, like while they're setting up the E-Web. And it's been pointed out, it's great that they're actually saying the names of these vehicles and weapons on the show that we, you know, the kind of things we nerds and <laughs> geeks have uh, talked about all the years. Um, you know, like Kara said, ATST, and that was the first time it's been said on screen um, back in Chapter Four. And you know, talking about you know, the E-Web uh, cannon. You know, we've had a toy version of that. Um, yeah, that, that's uh, for him to start talking about that. But as soon as he says Republican shock trooper Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderaan, and you realize he knows stuff, uh, that took him up a level of villain. And he just keeps going up levels in this episode until we get to the end. 
the very end. Um, so yeah, uh, Kara has a full name. It's Kara Cynthia. At first, she thought he was saying like first, middle, last name, but I think that's her full first name. And we find out she's from Alderaan, so she's a, you know had to be off planet when it happened. Uh, when the, uh, so her planet's gone, <clears throat> which is the right there is motivation for her to be in the rebels. So Moff Gideon's taunting her. He knows about her. And I loved Gina Carano's reaction to that. She's a she's a very underrated actress. She's, uh, you know, later on, I mean, you got her because she can fight and um, because she looks good holding, you know, heavy armament and firing, like when she um, jumps up the, on the bar and fires through the, the shattered window. Um but yeah, she plays emotion really well. Like the shock of hearing her full name by this guy. Um, yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed. Um, I've enjoyed Kara. Um, no, that's her name. Gina, Gina, Gina Carano. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And they gave her Carano, you know, Kara, they gave the character her last name. Uh, but Gina's, Gina did a really good job. I so did Carl Weathers. I really enjoyed him throughout the season, too. Even though he had twists and turns as far as loyalty and all that. So Gideon knows about her. And then he gives the, he tells the Mandalorian's name. It's Din Djarin. And I can finally call him by that on the show. Um, I held off the last few weeks because I didn't want to spoil it for anybody who didn't know that. Um, but yes, Din Djarin is the name of the Mandalorian. And this is uh, a spoiler for the Clone Wars, uh, the finale, if you haven't watched it yet. Um, but Moff Gideon talks about the Siege of Mandalore and then mentions the Night of a Thousand Tears. Um, and then Din Djarin would have been, um, you know, would have known about that. You know, we, di we didn't see Din in Clone Wars. Um, but, you know, the massive battle between Maul's troops and um, Bo-Katan's forces at the same time that Maul and Ahsoka had their lightsaber duel in on Mandalore. I'm thinking that's the Night of a Thousand Tears, but they didn't explicitly say it yet. Sorry, I'm just looking over my notes real quick. So, um, and then he also, well, even though we know his name, he mentions um, disgraced magistrate Grief Karga. So he knows everything. And, um, you know, they have the conversation, and Din Djarin reveals that Moff Gideon um, was... Um, Imperial Security Bureau. He was an ISB agent uh, during the, this purge of Mandalore. So that would be where he got, and he has access to this information, like from their databanks. Um, so that's why he knows about Din. Um, I mean, just the, and that, that's what took him up another notch, the fact he's ISB, so he has intelligence on 
basically anybody he would want to have intelligence on. And then um, I just wanted to mention, Kara mentions she doesn't want to be uploaded, uploaded to a, um, a Mind Flayer. And I'm wondering, is that... Uh, Mind Flayer is a um, Stranger Things term. I don't know if it's like original to them. But uh, I wonder if that's like Borgullet from Rogue One. Just any sort of creature that can access your mind. But then we get the very important scene of the full flashback to Din Djarin when he was a kid. You know, we've seen this in a couple of episodes so far, and we thought, well, is this, um, is that actually him? You know, who's he going to be rescued by? You know, I did that poll earlier in the season where I said, well, I thought it would be a Jedi that rescued him uh, from being killed, which would explain his fascination with Tiny's abilities. Um, so I thought, maybe, you know, it could be Anakin, could it be Ahsoka, could it be Obi-Wan. Um, but no, we get the full the full flashback. And, I mean, it's a, a live-action Clone Wars battle. Uh, because we've got the, the B-2s, the super battle droids, uh, attacking this town. Uh, some people think it's on Life Day because of their red robes. Which would be a... I don't think they've ever confirmed that. But it'd be another neat... Um, holiday special callback. Um, but no, when the B2 battle droid gets blasted and uh, young Din is saved, it is Amando, but it's Death Watch. Um, which, you know, from Clone Wars, um, wouldn't say it was... Um, man, I'm totally blanking on Favreau's characters, um, shoot. Anyway, <laughs> who was, oh, Pre Vizsla, yeah, um, yeah, I don't think it was Pre Vizsla, uh, which was John Favreau's character on Clone Wars, but, you know, it's, it's his group, it's Death Watch, um, the one that aligns with Maul later on, so they're the ones who fight off the battle droids in this town, and then, so he gets saved, uh, by one of them, and we get, you know, we see him being lifted away from from danger, and you know that shot of him like holding on to the Mandalorian, and then looking down at the ground as he's flying away. They copy that shot later on when it's Tiny holding on to Din, and uh, thought that was really well done. Um, that that's. You know, his life's repeating itself. You know, he was rescued. He became a foundling to the Mandalorians as a kid, and now he's doing the same uh, to Tiny. Um, you know, we, we didn't see her, but you, know, you wonder, is was Bo-Katan um, still with Death Watch at this point? Uh, all we know is, you know, it's just during the, the Clone Wars period, but... Um, yeah, we, we didn't see her specifically. <clears throat> so, yeah, we thanks to Moff Gideon, we've got some information on these characters, and we filled in some backstory. So we know that Den is not Mandalorian by birth, that it's a creed. And 
but he hasn't heard that name forever, so he knows that Gideon has information. Um, so, you know, they're, they're stuck until IG-11 comes to the rescue on a speeder bike. And just an IG droid with a baby Yoda on a speeder bike. Uh, that was just an, an amazing, just a fun, amazing vision. Um, you know, he blasts his way through town, protecting Tiny when he has to. I, I just love that speeder bike sound, like when it kind of speeds off. Um, so he, and I, I loved the shot where, you know, the stormtroopers have their, you know, they have everything aimed at the bar so that they can take out the heroes. And then one of them starts to hear the speeder bike, so he turns his head and just builds because, you know, the more of them realize that something's coming. And then he just hops off and lets it explode to start the chaos. And, you know, that's when Kira gets her gun and starts blasting and grief and um, Din go out. And we have the big battle. Um, I, I did love that grief kept taking shots of alcohol. <laughs> um, you know, he did it at least twice. I thought that was <laughs> thought, typical of his character. I thought that was a nice little touch. Makes you wonder if that was a Taika um, thing on the set. Oh, keep keep taking shots. That'd be good. Um, but the shootout just overall was awesome. Um, n- nice battle between the stormtroopers and our heroes. And then, you know, Gideon's there, just you know, standing his ground, looking badass. Huh. Din actually grabs the e-web and starts blasting everybody. Um, but then, you know. Gideon being the sneaky, sneaky guy that he is, he just blasts the uh, the the power box for the for the web and takes out uh, takes out Dinjarin. And then you know, this scene was leaked months ago, but um, when he says burn them out, and he gets the flame trooper to come in. Um, so yeah, Moff Gideon just being awesome. Oh, I do love, it's kind of cute, um, how in interviews, Giancarlo Esposito calls him Moff because I really think he thinks that's his first name. That's he maybe doesn't know it's a title, which whatever, not every actor in star Wars has to be, uh, you know, super knowledgeable, but yeah, every time he talks about it, he just calls him Moff. It's, it's cute. It's funny to hear him at, like in interviews in real life because he is not like Gus or Gideon. Uh, he, he's he's a very cool dude. Um, he's been doing a lot more of the you know Zoom interviews and everything lately. So um, yeah, <laughs> he just calls him off every time. So yes, but Gideon is not done being awesome. I'll I'll get to that. So Mando's dying. Um, IG Eleven helps. You know with the escape, um, escape route to the sewers. And then the flame trooper comes in and tiny holds him off with the force. And we, we, I mean, just an incredible shot with the, the fireball coming at them and he blasts it back. So they escape. Um, IG 11 stays with Din Djarin, And then we get 
finally get the reveal. Um, get to see Pedro under the helmet. Um, and he, and he looks like crap. Um, I, you know, it's a nice contrast to the first time you see Adam Driver in uh, The Force Awakens and takes the Kylo Ren helmet off and he's all quaffed and looks very Prince-like. Um, no, Den's been through some stuff that he looks like it here, so you know, it's appropriate. And, you know, as we found out, um, Pedro wasn't always in costume. It was, um, that, that his name's Brandon Wayne. He's John Wayne's grandson. Uh, did a lot of the body work. Of course, Pedro did all the voice. Um, we'll see if that changes in season two or not. Um, but yeah, so he gets the, the scene here uh, with, with his helmet off. And again, Taika great as IG-11. That was um, just a great choice to have him voice uh, this droid. And we get to see Bacta. I think I mean, that might be the first mention of Bacta. Um, and it is spoken on live, uh, on, in live action, <clears throat> even though we've seen it used so many times. Like the Bacta tanks and um, Finn's you know, little suit in Last Jedi. So they, um, I mean, the action just moves so quick here at this point. So the, they get down to the sewers. Uh, you know, you find out kind of the sequence after chapter three, what happened. You know, the bounty hunters left. The Imperials moved in, created a greater force. And then uh, the Mandalorians who didn't go to create a new covert, you know, they, they were they were killed. And so that, you know, got all the pile of armor there. Uh, but the armor is still there. Um, Emily Swallow is great this season, too. Um, you know, she's salvaging what remains. And then we get, um, you know, more talk from her and, and Den. And he explains what Tiny's been doing. And she actually mentions the Jedi. And I, I just love that they were referred to as enemy sorcerers. That, you know, that's how the the, the Mandalorians uh, saw them. Uh, because, I mean, it's it's still canon that, you know, they they had this, like, the Jedi-Mandalorian war. And that's why most of the Mandalorian armor is meant to fight off Jedi, like the gauntlets and <clears throat> and the other weapons. Um, yeah, so she kind of sets him on his mission that he needs to find Tiny's people, which I, I think is means find force users, not find more of his species. You know, because Yoda's gone at this point, and so is Yaddle, probably. <laughs> so um, I think that that'll be Season two probably is a search for any Jedi or any Force users. So you know we find out you know, Dan's basically his father now because he need a foundling needs to be either of age or reunited with his people. So Dan, <clears throat> Dan's a single dad now, 
and he gets his Mudhorn Signet. A good callback to Chapter 2. Um, so he finally earns his Signet, he gets that on his armor, and he gets the Rising Phoenix, which is their name for the backpack. Um, yeah, it is cool that, you know, the, the stuff that we've just come to associate with Mandalorians is, has, has to be earned. And, um, also an excuse for more more figures. Uh, so they're gonna. I'll try to get out through the. Down the river, to the lava flats while the armor stays behind. And I, I mean, I figured she was a goner at this point that, you know, she was gonna die with the cause all the way to the end. But no, she kicks the stormtroopers' butts, kills them pretty graphically. Like one goes into the furnace, into the flames. <laughs> Which I imagine melted him immediately. <laughs> and, uh, you got to think that plastoid getting melted is going to gunk that that forage up. Um, so hopefully she can clean it. But just a, the fact she takes hammers to their helmets and just bashes their heads in uh, was pretty great. Uh, hope hope we get more of her because she was great. Um, So, you know, we, you know, they get to the, basically the lava river, uh, so they have to boat down. I mentioned, what was it, episode three, probably? It was either episode chapter one or chapter two, or chapter one or chapter three. The space shot of Navarro when Mando was leaving. Um, I thought, oh, it looks like there's lava down there. That's a very interesting planet. Well, that paid off here. So, yeah, I just really dig, like, the... I mean, they were on the. They walked the lava flats last week too. Um, but just the whole topography of the um, the plan is really cool. I took geology in college, so I'm kind of fascinated by by that sort of thing. Um, so anyway, we get the yeah, the fairy droid who um, looks like an R2 unit, but has arms and legs, and that was just, like, freaky. Uh, yeah, the, like, <laughs> I don't know who came up with that concept, but that's one of those things where it's, like, you know, a little 2 a.m. decision after you yeah, lit one up. <laughs> what if, yeah, what if it's an R2 unit, but he's got arms and legs, and he drives the boat? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so they make it down. They know it's a trap because they, you know, Den has his helmet. He knows the stormtroopers there, and we get IG Eleven sacrificing himself. Which, I mean, it was sad that you know he he goes, but it pays off the the whole uh, detonator thing from uh, Chapter One. Um, but I mean, he served his purpose. He, you know, he nursed and cared for the tiny when he had to and but it helped I mean we now know that Din doesn't like droids because of what happened to him as a kid but you know they had the conversation about last week about you know they're not good or bad it's just how they're programmed and then you know for him to watch this droid self-sacrifice to save the rest you know that that'll probably affect his you know, trust or lack thereof next next season. 
But yeah, I'm sad to see IG-11 go, but he went in a great way. So here, heroes are safe for the moment, but no, here's Gideon and his TIE Fighter. <coughs> and I mean, it's, you know, Giancarlo Esposito flying a TIE Fighter. It's, it took his awesomeness up another level. He's got one more level to go. So, you know, they're trying to trying to fight him off at ground level. And then, oh, I mean, this has to have had Taika's uh, all over it. Um, just the way, you know, he got each of the reaction shots for this. But the, the magic hand thing, I, I, this is one of my favorite things ever in, in Star Wars. Just... <laughs> It's just so freaking cute. Baby, do the magic hand thing. And then Kara's reaction. And then Tiny just waves at him. I mean, it's, just, it's just a great, great little thing. Um, but no, um, Din takes care of it. He uses uh, the Rising Phoenix. If, I, I like that he doesn't immediately have control of it. All he did was just use it to fire up and use this grappling hook to um, actually get on the tie. So, you know, have had that great struggle for a few minutes on the tie fighter. And then he's able to blow up one of the wings and get Gideon to crash. And immediately when there was no explosion, I thought, okay, maybe he survives. Cause you know, I'd figured they would, he would be killed off and that would be the end of him. No, as, as soon as it wasn't like a fireball, I thought, oh boy, we'll see. Might leave it open for next season. Uh, but evil is vanquished for the for now. Everybody's safe. You know, grief and care are going to stay behind on Navarro while Din and Tiny go searching for Jedi. We'll see who they find. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, like, if they advance a few months, uh, what Navarro's like at that point. You know, is it the return of bounty hunters or uh, or something else? You know, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but then we get the shot of, you know, Din flying Tiny over to the ship, so it matches the scene from earlier, which was great. Um, when they're getting settled in, Tiny has uh, the Mythosaur necklace that... Um, Din gave away earlier, so he gets a hold on to that. You know, because he's, he's officially a foundling. Um, so, nice nice end to the season for the for our dad and baby. Um, but, no, that's not the end of the season, because as they're flying away, we go to the wreckage. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, they're going to show him alive, and then that'll be it. And uh, the Jawas was a nice touch, too, because they, they didn't waste any time trying to salvage that crap. But as soon as the Darksaber went through the TIE Fighter, I let out an expletive. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was watching it by myself the first time I saw this. And as soon as you know what it is, you're freaking out. Um, I've watched uh, Jonah Marie Macias' reaction. I watched Claire Stribling's reaction. 
it's just one of the most shocking moments if you know your Star Wars because you're like, holy crap, he has the dark saber. And I mean, he cuts himself out of the Tie Fighter, and he's got it there, and it's making that sound. And as we found, as we found out on Disney Gallery, um, it kind of it wasn't really CG. It actually made, they made it look like that on set. Um, but yeah, they pull off a live action dark saber, and then he just the last shot of him on top of the wrecked Tie Fighter with the dark saber, looking around. All right, like like okay, where is he? And that's how they end the season. And uh, so at this point, Marv Gideon is near the top of my list of villains. I mean, played by a great actor. An ISB agent who knows things, you know, knows his enemy. He's a badass on the battlefield. Applies a TIE fighter, and now he has a dark saber. I love this character. I love this villain. And there's so many questions now. Like, how did he get it? Um, the last person we saw with it was Bo-Katan, and that was 10, 11 years before this episode. Uh, that was on Rebels. So they need they got some explaining to do. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he's, uh, all right, let's get into season two speculation because that's it. Um, you know, Giancarlo has hinted that he's uh, broken a lot of the Darksaber props, uh, you know, doing fights in season two. So I'm sure that'll be like a secondary plot, like, you know, how did he get it? Is Bo-Katan still alive to retrieve it? Will we see that in flashbacks? You know, just a lot to a lot to wonder about. Um, and so yeah, season two, it's, it's going to be like I say, probably search search for Jedi, search for you know people like Tiny. While he has Gideon on the on the chase, you know maybe he runs into people who want to take out Gideon for what he did to Mandalore. Yeah, cannot wait to see. Um, so as far as the casting, you know, we've had Hollywood Reporter and Variety, not Lucasfilm, you know, tell us Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka will show up. And I talked about that on a, a Clone Wars review about everything involved with that. So, um, and then, um, at, you know, it was actually yesterday as of, from the time I recorded this, about Tamora Morrison uh, is playing Boba Fett, they're reporting. Which, I mean, he survived this Harlock pit. And, um, and there was speculation he was the person who came up on Fennec Shand at the end of Chapter 5. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Daniel Logan could probably play the role, but it, you know, makes sense for Tamora since, you know, he's. You know, he was Django and the clones, so that's what Boba looks like. Um, he's a little bit older than Boba would have been, but uh, they can they can work around that. Um, you know, because the fact he's casted for the show, I mean, could very well mean he's also going to play an old Captain Rex. Um, so we'll we'll see. Like I say, these aren't official. Um, 
There's talk that Jamie Lee Curtis uh, has a role, uh, that Michael Bynes has a role. Um, yeah, uh, nothing's official. They'll probably release you know cast list all at once, like they tend to do. I think that's how they announced Giancarlo and Warner Herzog and all those. By the way, we we don't know what happened to Doctor Pershing. We haven't. We don't know of his fate. So he may show up in season two. We'll have to see. And we, you know, we need to see O'Mara again. Um, I think they said that like the criminals from um, chapter six um, may come back too. So yeah, yeah, season two may um, is going to be wild. But that is it. That's my review of uh, the Mandalorian season one. I actually did a already did a season wrap up with my friends. Um, Peter and Eden, uh, that's on uh, the Radio Dakar archives. Um, it's on most major podcast platforms, um, SoundCloud, Anchor, uh, Google Play, Apple, um, Spotify, Overcast. Uh, you can find all the, all the any Mandalorian-related reviews, anything else I've done on there. Uh, you can follow me on social media, at Radio Dakar, on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to become a patron of the show and help us out, it's at patreon.com slash radio Dakar. Uh, but that is it. Um, season one was amazing. Can't wait for more. Can't wait for Din Djarin and Tiny and Kara and Grief and Muff Gideon and all the other great characters. I'm sure there'll be some surprises too. Um, but that, that is it. Um, thanks for listening to all the reviews of the Mandalorian. Um, got one more to go on the clone wars then i'll get into some other fun stuff Uh, but until next time may the force be with you